Welcome to Soul Talk, a podcast founded and created by Monica Ramirez, the warrior of love. Soul Talk was created in 2020 when a pandemic hit and we were in lockdown. She wanted to have exciting conversations with open-minded people so they could understand different aspects of herself and she could help others in the same way. She interviews healers, coaches, therapists, psychics, readers, channelers, mediums, intellectuals, poets, artists, and more. She calls it Soul Talk because it started as a conversation from soul to soul. Hello, everyone. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and thank you for being in Soul Talk. And uh, we're in Podapelusa, and today we have a very special invite. Her name is Angela Alexander, Mm -hmm. and we're going to be talking about grief today. And Angela is going to let us know a little bit about her story and who she is. And uh, thank you, uh, Angela. I really appreciate accepting my invitation for Soul Talk. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on your show. Thank you. Thank you. Can you let us know a little bit about your story? How you became a coach of grief or, or how do you work with grief? Yeah. So what happened was I was working in Japan on military duty. I was in the Air Force. And this is April Fool's weekend. And I, Lieutenant Vecchi came up to me and says, Alexander, I need to speak with you. And being April Fool's weekend, I just thought it was another joke. And we start walking and talking about nothing. We end up at the door of the small office. Inside was the man who was introduced as a priest and another lady from my unit. And the priest began nervously shaking, holding this paperwork from the Red Cross. And he says, Angela, your family has been in a car accident. And from the looks on their faces, I knew this was no April Fool's joke. The day before, my husband and four children were driving down the highway in California, and a car cut them off. A truck hit the center divider. A poor impact, they were all knocked unconscious. And then our truck went backwards across the highway and fell 25 feet below. It landed upside down on top of two other park vehicles with people inside those cars. Praise God, our car fell on their engine and not the roof. So those people were extremely shaken up, but they were okay. When the police, firefighters, ambulance with their jaws of life all came to the site, they saw a father and four children. And they ran into my daughter, Angela, who was 11 years old at the time. She was in and out of consciousness. They said, where's your mother? Where's your mother? Well, she looked at the officer all days and said, my mother's in Japan. Well, the officer just thought she hit her head way too hard and was delirious. Did not believe a single word she said. So they retrieved my address for my husband's driver's license and came to my home. Now, most people think by me being on the other side of the world was the worst place possible. But you know what? I needed to be that far away in order to hear God's voice. Because if I was home, I would have run somewhere. But in Japan, I had no choice but to be still and know that God is still God. And whenever and wherever there's a crisis, Christ is. So in Japan, he's shaking nervously. He says, your husband, Suri, he's okay, but he's in the hospital. Your daughter, Angela, she's okay, but she's in the hospital. Your daughter, Angelina, she's okay, but she's in the hospital. But your two eight-year-old sons, Maurice and Roger, they didn't make it. And instantly, as if no one else was in the room but God and me, I recalled a prayer my children said before going to bed. Nana laid me down to sleep. 
I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And listen, Monica, I don't know. Maybe because I need to hear from my son so badly, I felt right here in my heart as if I heard them say, no, mommy, that priest is wrong. We prayed the Lord our soul to take. We did make it. We're here with Jesus. And I'm telling you, God was sending me so much love and so much peace. There was no room for pain. The people in the room was watching and waiting for my world to turn upside down. But instead, they witnessed my world still in alignment with the one we call our Heavenly Father. And I'm telling you, the next day I was on a 10 hour plus plane ride from Japan to California. And I first thank God that my whole family hadn't passed away because that could have easily happened. I thank God that Maurice and Roger, if they had to pass, they pass instantly because absent from the body is present with the Lord. I praise God that they were hooked up to a life support machine suffering, waiting for me to come home only then to pass away. I praise God for the little things because when you do, God has a supernatural way of multiplying and magnifying your small praise into huge testimonies. And then about an hour later into that flight, I almost sat straight up in my seat as I recalled this letter Maurice had written about a month before the car crash. So Maurice was eight years old in the third grade. He had a math test at school. He finished early and received his A. Now he had to be quiet while his classmates complete their test. And in that quiet time, he wrote this letter to me and my husband. Now he had never written us a letter before. And he ran in the house from school that afternoon. He shouted, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, I wrote your letter, I wrote your letter. He was so excited. And I said, what do you think you wrote us a letter? Where are you going, little boy? And he says, Lord, mommy, I just love you. And the three of us, we said, the foot of our bed and we read his letter aloud. And he wrote three pages, not only expressing that he loved us, but explaining why he loved us. And at the end of all three pages, he wrote these words. He wrote the words, bye-bye, B-Y-B-Y. And that's not B-Y-E. That's the by and passing, by and by, like you'll see each other again. And... When I came home off that, when I came home, I was on the floor in my kitchen, crying, thanking God for Maurice's letter. I asked God that I needed something for Roger. I needed to know that Roger was also at peace. And God told me to search. I said, search. And my house was filled with so many people that I actually went upstairs to the bedrooms and I started searching. I went through the books on the shelves, the clothes in the closet. I flipped the mattress. I searched for my house for over three hours. I did not find anything that I prayed, trusted, and believed for. But as only as God can create it, only as God can orchestrate it, that night was open house in my children's elementary school. Now, my girls needed some normalcy. Their friends on the block was going to open house. So I said, you know what? We're going to go as well. And we left a house full of people. We went to Angela's fifth grade class, Maurice's, uh, Angelina's, fourth grade class, Maurice's third grade class. And when I walked into his class, this hush came across the room because the parents did not know what to say to me. And frankly, I didn't know what to say to them. But the children just circled around because they wanted to tell me how much they loved and already missed their friend Maurice. And they could not comprehend somebody their own eye level passing away. And so we finally made it to Roger's second grade class. And I spoke to Mrs. Blassie, his teacher, she shared her condolences, and I said, well, what did my son do for open house? 
Well, two weeks before the car crash, Mrs. Blessy had given all of her second graders all kind of arts and craft supplies and said, do something for open house, your parents are coming, with no other instructions. Well, Roger cut out the shape of a house with closed doors. Wait a minute, I have a picture of it in this. In, I wrote a children's book, and I have a picture of it in here. Well, first of all, in this book, here, this is Maurice's letter. It's an envelope, and you open it up, and this is Maurice's letter right here. His page is just shrunk down. So you can read his letter. And this is Roger's. This is what he called the shape of a house. And when you open it up in the center, it says, Mommy, I have a big backyard and a big house. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop right there. Because we actually have the smallest backyard in the block. And when I saw that, I said, hmm. He, when he wrote this, he was in transition mode. He's referring to his heavenly home where he does have a big backyard and he does have a big house. And then on the right-hand side, he cut out a tombstone. And on this tombstone, he wrote the words, dead men joy. Dead men joy. Now, this is an eight-year-old little boy in the second grade cutting out a tombstone talking about dead men joy. And below his words, he drew a picture of himself. And on the opposite side, he cut out a second tombstone. On this one, he wrote the words, dead men jams, and drew a picture of his brother Maurice beneath those words. Girl, Monica, I almost fell to my knees on that second grade classroom floor as I thank God for being so good to me. Because I had just prayed hours earlier that day, God, I need to know that Roger's at peace. And this is what God gave me that very evening. So I tell people, you have not put, you ask not. Oh, what a story, man. I, it is, it is beautiful and it's, and it's also a lot of pain in there. Oh, yes. I am a mother, so I cannot imagine that Mm -hmm. pain goes, uh, how deep it can go there because we were programming in a way that the ones that live first is the parents, not the kids. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so that is a very painful. It, I I know that my 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 nephew died uh, a few years ago, and my sister have not recovered from that one. And yeah. he was thirty seven. Like he left yeah. kids and wife and so forth. But the pain mm-hmm. of the mother it is goes deep. Yes, deep. And uh, and I see that you actually did something from from that pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because I wanted to. What happened with, with me? The transition was while I was writing my son's memorial program. God said, "Angela, you know those letters were written to soothe your soul, but more importantly, to share to help other people turn their pain into power and grief into peace." And I was like, "Oh no, God! Oh, this is this is when the arguments began." I was like, "Oh no, God! What I'm not gonna do." Because I'm telling you, at that time, I could not even say their names without a lump in my throat. I couldn't. And this wasn't even they, this wasn't even a week of them passing. And God's giving these visions of me speaking, sharing testimonies and this and that. And, and I was like, and I was, I said, no, 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 no. I couldn't. And I gave God a laundry list why I couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't. And for six months, I walked in disobedience. But during that time, during that entire time, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't think straight. When you walk in disobedience, 
It does not feel good. And finally, when the pain became too much for me to bear, I woke up, I said, I surrender all. Use me as you choose to. And I said, God, if you give me the strength to put my uniform back on and stay in the military for another five years, I had 15, I will retire from the Air Force and dedicate my life to sharing your amazing testimony. So God granted me that strength. And I retired from Marsh Air Reserve Base. And, what, and during those five years, that's when I wrote my autobiography, Miracles in Action, Turning Pain into Power and Grief into Peace. I have a workbook to help you with the process of that. My children's book and my book has been turned into a documentary film. God gave me a vision of a movie, so I'm still waiting on that. But this is a documentary film. And so my so God has transitioned me from military to ministry to help people turn their pain into power and grief into peace. But it wasn't until I surrendered. This is not something I wanted to do. And I because I couldn't see me doing this. I'm like, who is who who am I? But then when I look back in it, but I had to realize, Monica, it wasn't about me. It's about God. And once I got out of the way, now I'm a vessel allowing God to use me as he chooses to. So now I speak at different churches, retreats, conference, book clubs, women fellowship, podcasts, whatever door God opens for me to share his testimony. Do you work with uh, people in grieving one-on-one? Yes, I'm also a grief coach. Yes. How do you work with them? Oh, well, you mean how, like, by Zoom? But right now, by no, Zoom, that was me. No, I was not meaning the media. How, um, when someone approach a parent or uh, any loved one that, that died mm-hmm. and they approach to you, I wanted to work with a grief coach. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there are many, but each one is different. Yeah. Each one of the coaches are healers and whatever you want to uh, call everybody. We are, we have our own way to, to helping people. Right. So I imagine you have our own way to, to talk, uh, to work, working with them. What is your, your way of working with them? Well, for me, I, mine is called a 90 day transformation from grief to peace. And it's really God, Jesus is the source of my strength. And so he's the foundation of my healing process. So hopefully they have a, a belief in God, Jesus. And so that's the foundation for me. So once we have, once we solidify that, uh, you know, um, nothing is impossible. God can heal your broken heart if you ask him to. So that's, that's the foundation. That's where, we, that's where I come from. Welcome. In choosing to be part of this group, you have said yes to yourself. You've chosen to confront those limitations keeping you from achieving the life of your dreams. Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, is a transformational belief coach. She's a psychic channeler, certified NLP, life coach, BQH, that is hypnotherapy, Akashic Records reader, public speaker, writer, and artist. She works with many modalities and has created her own, like this one, to help you let go of the limitations and achieve the transformation you desire, so you can anchor your emotions that you desire. Monica will be hosting a new session every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time, leading the group through a guided meditation and proceeding to work with people individually. So join Monica here in this free journey by joining this Zoom link. How you encounter people that they're uh, grieving and mm-hmm. not believing God? Normally, once they, normally we can have a conversation, but that's up to them. Normally, if they don't believe in God, um, normally they'll say, you know, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> but but because they have to be a, 
because it has to be mutual. If, you know, if, if I'm saying God is the source of my strength and you want what I have, and this is how I have it, but if you, but that's not you, then you're not going to um, relate to what I'm speaking about. Okay. Then basically so, the basis of, of your coaching, it is through, through God. Yes. Cause that's how, how I was able to transform from grief to peace is because God gave me the peace that I needed to stand here and praise his holy name. So that's where I'm coming from. So if you can adapt to that, then we're a great fit. Because you have to fit with your coaches. It's not just, you know, just because you're a coach, you're not for everybody. Yes. Every that's coach is not for everybody. And so the people who are attracted to me are the people who have a foundation or want a foundation with Jesus. That's why I ask you, because I told yes, you and I appreciate coaches that. and healers for everybody. And we right, because... You don't want to, you, I mean, because this is so sensitive. You don't want to be fit with the wrong person. I mean, because we're dealing with stuff that's, that you're hurting heart. And that's very tender, very fragile. We don't want to, um, you don't want to be with a coach that you're not compatible with. Yes. So I appreciate that question because, you know, you have to make sure that it's a win-win for both people. Yes. I know people that are grieving and they're atheists. So, oh, so yes. Let me say grief. Do have no con- boundaries. Do you consider um, uh, that it is actually harder for a person that it is uh, that is atheist or do not believe in God to actually overcome the grief, or you have to have a religion and believing in God to get out of that grief process faster? And see, because because I do believe in God, I don't know what it feels like not to believe in God. So I don't know what they're going through. But I could not live my life here. I would not be where I am right now with the peace that I have in my in the center of my soul if I did not have Jesus in my life. And I'm saying this with a lot of respect. It's like because yes. I have encountered that. Yeah. In, in yes. my coaching. I yeah. They're both. So right. I am very spiritual, but that's why when when I, when I encounter someone that is atheist that I have I have coach, I <laughs> remove this my spiritual side. And I just go strictly NLP. And see, for me, if somebody's atheist, if somebody atheist want me to coach them, I will. But they have to know that my the, the source of my strength is God, and I cannot waive that. Yeah. So that's where I come from. Yes. And uh, then do you channel God? No, I don't channel. You don't channel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Were there... Uh, and in the process of how much time do you create it, the three books and uh, and uh, also the the a documentary? Yes. How long was this? How long has it been? Yes. Oh well, my son's passed April Fool's Day, two thousand. So they passed away twenty three years ago. Okay. But my products has been. Um, I did my like the first ten years. I've I've had my books and my documentary and and all that. So it's been so I've been doing this for a while now. You've been very, very productive. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God's strength. But you know what? It is important because there is a lot of pain. And the grieving, oh, yes. it is what I have uh, talked with other people that are grieving. It is very different. Like the say, widows and divorces are very different. A divorcee choose to let go of a marriage and the widow just lost them without oh. choice. Yeah. So that is a very different situation. Even if they have to encounter again themselves, that's the only things in common. And mm-hmm. you have to find who you are again and so forth, both of them. But it is very different having a choice and not having a choice. Right. Right. 
Yeah, life is about choices. So, and when you don't have a choice because you lost someone, and you just have to learn to move on in your life and find something that make you want it to stay. Yeah, yeah. And I realize a lot of people, they really remain in their grief because sometimes they feel bad about choosing life. And, you know, and they feel like as long as I'm hurting and I'm hurting that, um, then I'm holding on to that person when you hold on to that grief. But your loved one, you know, they wouldn't want you to be here miserable. Yeah. I don't believe my sons, my sons, you know, they want me to live my life to the fullest. Yep. You know, now that I've been through this, they, you know, I'm helping other people turn their pain into power and grief into peace. But, you know, I don't have a, a doom and gloom, gloom life style. So um, I'll see my sons again. But right now, I'm here helping other people. That's my assignment. Yes, I understand. We all have missions in life. Yes, we, we do. Have a job to do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and people, uh, I share with you know, a, a lot of people like to hold on to that grief, but you know, but the healing of your broken heart, let your heart heal. It's not an indication that you no longer love or miss your loved one. It's okay to heal. Live your life to the fullest. They will want you to. So the healing of your hurting heart or your broken heart is not an indication that you no longer love or miss your loved one. Go ahead and enjoy life. Yes, that is so true. That is so true because people get stuck. They get stuck. get stuck to lose hope. And sometimes, Monica, they feel guilty about moving forward. Yes. You know, oh, this one lady said she said she hasn't smiled in years and she feels guilty about smiling as if, as if she's not thinking about her son. I said, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, you know, back in the day, they used to wear, they used to literally carry a cloth of death. They used to really dress in black, put ash all on their face and wear, you know, black clothing. They wear, they draped that, that grief around them for like 30 days plus. I said, we don't do that anymore. You don't have to wear that cloth of death. Yep. I said, when people see me, I don't want you to know my son's past just because I walked into the room. I want yes. you to see God's grace on my face. I don't want to wear that cloth of death. The only way you know if somebody told you or you read my testimony, but not just because of my presence. Mm-hmm. And something that you say very important that I and I believe in like you. I don't think that the person that died wants to see you happy for the rest of your life. Exactly. They don't. No. I, I, I don't believe that. And so why you're doing that? Right. A lot of times people feel guilty. It de- sometimes depending on, you know, sometimes if the, the way the person passed, if they feel any type of attachment in causing or, you know, you didn't cause it, but if they feel like guilty, somehow the person dies. Like this one lady, her child died in the swimming pool. She ran in the phone, you know, ran in the house to get the phone. And, you know, and she, she forever will feel guilty about not properly watching her child. And leaving the child for just a minute to go get the phone. Mm-hmm. Or do, and you know, so she will not allow herself to have a joyful life anymore because she feels the guilt of her child passing. She says she can't she can't even release that. How do you work with a person that is guilting themselves for something like that? Do you work with people like that? I do. I do work with people like that. It's How a do you- it, I mean, it's so hard to come through right now, but it's we have to really go back, uh, um, especially, you know, like her husband was blaming her as well. So it was 
it was her paint on top of her husband's paint, and you know, and it divided the family. So it was we had to uncover a lot of stuff before we can even get to that source. So it was it, it's a whole process. Yes. Yes, it's basically forgiving, making her forgive herself. Yeah, and that's the big thing: forgiveness. Yes. Forgive herself. So before we can even get to the grief, we had to get to forgiveness. Yes. Yes, I I agree with that one. There's yeah. many people are carrying guilt and shame and blame for many ages, and they are oh. carrying for sometimes from even their parents or whatever they did. That's those childhood stuff that yes. comes or up, and it, you know they didn't even think about. And as we're going through stuff, all of a sudden these other emotions come in. I say, wait a minute, what happened? Who is that? Where'd that come from? Oh, something that happened, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's coming to the surface that needs to be healed. So yes. a lot of times we suppress stuff and we don't deal with it. Or the parents. The parents are carrying that guilt and shame and they pass it on to the kids and that was not even theirs. Exactly. <laughs> you better say that, Monica. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yeah. Yes. When people tell me not everybody needs therapy, like I believe every single human being in the planet Earth, if they're alive, we need therapy. Oh, yes. Like all of us, if you're alive, you need therapy. It is a myth that we don't need therapy. That's it's a right. That only crazy people need it. No, we all need it. We all have something to heal. We all yeah. have some kinds of pain. Grief is a big one because it's a destroyer. It is a one that is going to consume you. Yes. Yes. And grief has no boundaries. It doesn't matter, you know, your nationality, how rich you are, how poor you are, you know, whether you, like you said, atheist or Christian, it, it falls on the, the just and the unjust. So everybody's, even if you're dealing with the grief of yourself, if you got a diagnosis that you only have six months to live, you can deal with your own grief. Yeah. You know, so everybody has to deal with it. Yes. Um, and I'm very thank you that, that you're doing that job. Thank you. Thank you. Very necessary right now because there is a lot of pain. And more after the 2020 that many people died. Oh. There is more pain. There's so a- many. The 20, 2021, 2022, it was just so many people, so many people passed away. And and, and grief is not only the death of your loved one, it could be the, the foreclosure of your home, your health, your wealth, your dreams, your expectations your marriage, that divorce, it don't matter what the grief is. We need to turn that pain into power and that grief into peace. So it's not just the death of a loved one. Grief is grief. Anything that hurt, that, that that's hurting your heart, that's what you're grieving. It's basically the, the part that is very hard to actually let go. It doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. So. Well, Angela, do you have any other last words that you would like to say for our listeners here in Soul Talk? You know, when God transitioned me from military to ministry, and my assignment is to help people turn their grief into peace. So what i like to share with you is search for your miracles. You can, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your grief, find something to be grateful for. Because you can either search for your miracles or your misery. But remember, whatever you search for is searching for you. That so search it. wisely. Thank you very much, Angela. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And if this helped you, uh, please share it with everybody else. The information of Angela, it is going to be in the description of this of this video. So like that, you can contact her if you need so. And you can buy also her books. That, uh, that are going to be the description in there. The links are going to be in there. Thank you very much. This is Monica Ramirez, The Warrior of Love. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarrioroflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.